This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live, not from Joe's mom's basement, because it's not the Stacking Benjamin Show. You're listening to the very first episode of the Stacking Deeds Podcast. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I can't wait to take you on one heck of a ride into the world of real estate. On today's show, our top five items to focus on when diving into the real estate game. But that's not all. In our headline segment, one expert says the real estate market is in big trouble. Do we agree? Of course, we'll have opinions. And we'll also answer a Dieter question about whether this is a good time to even think about buying. And I'll share my trivia celebrating Women's History Month with women in real estate flavored trivia. And now, one guy who apparently wants to own all the real estate in podcasting, Joe Saul Seahawk. Hey, stackers, welcome back. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And hey, apologize for the road noise. We're, we're literally taking the show on the road today. So uh, just to give you the visual, I'm sitting in a car with a multi-hyphenated woman who's not only my mom's quilting teacher, but hyphen, the neighborhood HOA president, hyphen, local Golden Corral food critic. But more than that, we all know her around these parts is Ruth the Realtor. Good to see you, Ruth. Hello, Joseph. Well, we're, Ruth and I, we're out here hunting for a new podcast studio. Ruth's showing me a property uh, here coming up right off US 59. And I figured, you know what? We're going to show you some behind-the-scenes day in the life of a podcaster and maybe mix in some real estate education. Joseph, the front seat is the smoking section. Light up or get out. Uh- Loud and clear. So, okay, let me jump. Okay, let me jump in the back. Just push me across. Okay, uh, back here and getting in. We can get on this show. Oh, God. <clears throat> we'll get this show on the road. Joseph, uh, let those guys in. Who? Wait, let who in? What? Crystal Hammond? 
Alan, Corey, what are you guys doing here? Joe, hey. Hey, what's up, Joe? Hey, Ruth. Wait, how do you know Ruth? Ah, a recommendation. Always work with recommendations. Ruth comes highly regarded. It was actually an ad on a bench. Minor details. Look, Ruth told us she's got a great investment opportunity, so I'm wondering how many people can we fit in this back seat? Whoa, this is a time machine. A 1985 stretch Lincoln town car? We going to find Mr. T in here too? Hey, not the front. I'd recommend, uh, Alan, for all of us, we jump in the back. Oh, God. Uh, I was going to record something today. You guys done for some real estate talk? Oh, yeah. I love talking real estate. You know, I bought my first duplex on the south side of Chicago, and I always tell people if a girl like me from the south side of Chicago can do it, then anyone can do it. And crap, Alan, all he does is talk real estate. (laughs) Guilty. I also might write about it and tweet about it and podcast about it and dream about it. Seriously, how many properties now? Oh, I've got about over 350 doors across 20 properties. I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I've even named my son's mortgage and home renovation. Is, is that enough credentials to talk real estate? <laughs> I think it's perfect. Well, buckle up, you guys. Everybody else, sit back and relax. And Ruth, hey, crank up that radio. Let's check out the first episode of Stacking Deeds. <laughs> This is so wild in our first headline ever, and uh, Crystal scoot over just a little bit. Our first headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance, Fox Business. This is uh, written by Kristen Altis. U.S. real estate markets in big trouble, expert warns. It seems like, Crystal, uh, this is all we're reading lately is real estate's in trouble. Well, and I, I will have to say I disagree. I wouldn't say that the housing market is in trouble just because interest rates are up. I bought my first place and interest rate was actually higher than what it is now. So Was it really? What, wait, wait a minute. What was the interest rate when you bought your first place? Interest rates were at seven and a half percent. So and that was for a fixed rate. So we're actually lower than that now. And at the time I hopped on that property with both feet. It was such a great deal. I remember when I was a financial planner, like interest people would have eight and a half, maybe sometimes 9% interest rates on their mortgage. And we would, you know, if they had lots of debt, help them refinance to seven and think that was a phenomenal deal. Seven, seven and a half. And yet, Alan, why are we so short term on, on this being doom and gloom? I feel like we're seeing it all the time. I, I think it makes headlines. You know, honestly, that's where it's at. And we're, mm. we've become accustomed to 3%, 4% interest rates over the last 10 years. It's basically steadily declining for 10 years. So when there is a bit of a reversal, it scares people. And I, I'm not scared. I'm along, I, I align with Crystal as well that this is, this is normal. This is going to make for a healthy real estate market. It's been unhealthy because of such low, cheap money. That's why we had all those bidding wars. Yeah, wait a minute. You're saying the market we just got out of is unhealthy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's not healthy when um, you you have fifty offers on a house. Like it's, it's obviously the one, very far side of the spectrum. You know, a healthy real estate market is maybe one offer every twenty five to thirty days. I, I was a part of those bidding wars, and you feel hopeless. I've even had friends where they're like, you know what? I'm not going to find a house. I don't want to get into a bidding war, so I I just give up. I'm just going to overpay for this rent over here for a while. You get to the point on those on those uh, bids where you're like, I'll name my first kid after you. 
Like to quote Alan's joke earlier. <laughs> you got to sweeten the pot somehow. That's right. I'm out of money. I can't go like all cash, $180,000 over asking price, right? Like just these stupid, stupid bids. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no nothing. I will. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll take you to Disney I'll, afterwards. Yeah. I'll let you stay in the house and I'll just, I'll just live in the garage, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be roommates. Or I you can name have, my plants. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have both been real estate pros also working with other people. Have you seen people do weird things like that on the bids where they like put in, you, you know, because we hear these stories, like if you're in a bidding war, write a nice note to the family that says, Hey, we're a family of, you know, X amount of people and you're going to love us. We're going to take care of your house. And I just love this property, this neighborhood. Crystal, does that work? I actually feel bad because my very first client, I was like, let's send this lady some roses because we're really going to win her over as we had a, um, a undercut, like we had a below asking offer. And she never even said thanks. She never responded. And she ended up going up with a way higher bid. So I think it depends on how really genuine you are with your 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 sign of affection. What you, have are, you? Wait, are you saying the roses might not have been? Might not have been <laughs> Show me the money. I feel like she, she unofficially <laughs> told us. <laughs> like, but I love you. But I love roses. Mean I right. love you, right? Show me the money or show me the door. That's yeah. That's what happened. Alan, have those ever worked for you or in in people you've worked with? Case. Yeah, well, actually, show me the money from the real estate agent. Uh, actually, I just sold my personal uh, home and primary home, Congrats. and the agent said that the buyers buying my house, she would let me co-list the their house because they're going to have to sell their house to buy my house. So I basically wow. uh, got. A listing out of it, being a real estate agent myself and listing my own home. That's really that's really cool. Was that? Well, wait a minute. Was that your idea? No, no, that was their idea, and um, I was all for it. That was definitely showing them the, the money. But back to Crystal's point about the homeowners writing love letters and stuff. You know, it, it's uh, a mixed bag. Some people hate it because you know it. it you're you're supposed to really make a decision blindly. But if you, you mentioned too much about your personal background, that can really put things in hot water if, you know, whether they choose you or not choose you based on that. So I know a lot of real estate agents are saying, do not do that. But I'll tell you, it works that that emotional attachment because people love their primary home, put something in there, try to, you know, hey, we're, we're new, you know, photos of yourself. I've, I've had it work. But sometimes when I lose a bidding war, I, I question whether I lost because of it. You know what else is interesting about that, too? And then we're also moving to this digital age where the last person that bought my place, I never, we never met each other. So I know people think that that's another hard way to get a connection. It's like, well, how do I connect with this person if we never even see each other in the virtual world? And I'm, I'm watching The Watcher on Netflix right now, which is a seven-part series based on a true story about, a, uh -huh. I wouldn't necessarily say a haunted house, but definitely neighbors who are um, involved in the house and writing. I you read know. this story. This is the creep. We, we, we got to do a show on this story later on. Okay. We, def we definitely got to try to do a story on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, maybe we can even get the creator of the series on. Like oh, that, that would be. Cool. That oh, would be it started from a, like a New Yorker article, so maybe the person who wrote the article. So we don't get too far astray. I think we'll put that in the show notes for now. Um, but 
that is the creepiest, weirdest thing. These people buy an old house, just tell people a little bit about what's going on. They, they buy an old house and all of a sudden like weird stuff starts happening and it appears like the neighborhood wants them out, right? I mean, oh. some, somebody clearly wants them out. So uh, wild, wild stuff. But I do, but, but I do have to say, you know, Alan, it's funny because somebody says, uh, this is Bill Pulte of uh, Pulte Capital, says, when you have a, a rise and increase in interest rates like we've had, this is a big problem for housing. Interest rates are like the mother's milk of housing. But, but while it's the it's the mother's milk. I think, Alan, I guess what you've been saying is that milk's been running too too fast. I don't I don't know how much I want the milk analogy, but... Well, Bill Pulte is a home builder. So home builders don't like rising interest rates because they, by the time they finish building the house, the interest rates are higher and they have to lower the price. So he is scared, and that's why he's quoted in this headline that uh, housing is in trouble, but that's because he's a builder. I was saying maybe they need to switch to an eggs reference. We, we, we definitely get it. <laughs> We talk about the price of eggs. Yeah, I think we all get that one. You know, what's funny, though, Crystal, is that to Alan's point, then, what's bad for the big real estate builder can be great for the average deeds listener, I would think, right? Yes, because the I just feel like the average deed listener is not looking to go into development in the first place because... The the guy from the other home builder was saying they saw a 68% cancellation rate in new construction. And I would say it's almost like sometimes it could be like buying cars. You want it to, to depreciate first. So in, sometimes instead of buying brand spanking new from a new builder, uh, an existing home, you know, already built home is perfectly fine. Also, to bring to a point, my first place, it was built in the 1800s. So that house has some really good bones there. And I got a chance to customize a few things when because it was a, such a great price. Uh, this is an opportunity for home buyers, you know, deeds listeners. Um, they're... Interest rates are going up. Home prices have to go down. Builders are in trouble because they have so many houses that are in the process of being built that they're going to have to drop the price. So get in now. Get those free upgrades. They're not going to want to let you drop the price too much because that'll set the comps for the rest of the build-outs that they're doing. But I promise you, you can get you know talk your way into a bunch of free upgrades. When you're working with the big guys. When you're working with big guys, get um, your closing costs 100% covered. These are easy negotiations right now. Crystal, what about for the little person? Yeah, I would definitely say go for, what do they say? Not marry the rate, marry the house. Or how do you, how's it to go, Alan? Yeah, date the rate, marry the house. So date the rate, marry the house. Interest rates, that's the one you see they're changing. So if you find the home that you love, now is the time to hop in because you're not married to the interest rate. So you can refinance. And when you go to refinance, you'll actually, since you'll have time that you've been paying, you'll be refinancing a lower amount. So that way your payments will go down, not only because interest rate, but also because now you owe a little bit less on that home. I think this also means that, you're going to have to do the math a little, a little harder. Like I feel like the easy money while the mother's milk or the eggs or whatever the hell we're going to use was flowing, was flowing too much. <laughs> like you could do this without math. I think knowing what you're doing, which is why, you know, people might wonder, why are we launching a real estate show right now? We're launching it because now is when you have to be good at this guys. Now I think is when you really have to be good at this. So listen, I am, uh, I'm at the podcast studio. Ruth, it's Ruth. Don't pass it. 
I'm going to get out. So nice chatting with you, Joe. It's been great. I needed a little bit extra leg room. I, I appreciate it, Joe. <laughs> what a pleasant all, surprise. What a pleasant surprise. All of us tall people have one back seat together. Yes. <laughs> I love you both, but I'm out of here. See ya. This is the Emergency Podcast System. We have an emergency message, and it will be printed out under Alan's seat right now. Check the dot matrix printer immediately. Oh, what? Uh, we've got a... Let me grab this sheet of paper. Wait, you said a printer underneath in the back of the car? Shh, let me read it to you. It says, data point according to Freddie Mac, the average monthly loan payment is now $1,000 more than a year ago. Trying to snag a lower rate, more home buyers are reaching for an adjustable rate mortgage, which tend to have lower introductory rates for a set period of time before it resets. The share of home buyers applying for this ARM product has more than quadrupled since the start of the year. Oh. NBA reports. Yeah. Oh, so it looks like people are using the adjustable rates as a solution to the rising mortgage payment problem. Right. A fixed rate mortgage creates a lot more risk for the banks. So they're going to give you a more attractive rate if you're willing to have an arm. So you can use this to your advantage. But I got to say, Crystal, I'm a fixed guy. I love 30-year fix all day, every day, every environment, because the way I look at it is if the rates go down, I can refinance. If the rates stay the same, great. I'm glad I got a 30-year fix. But if the rates go up, I'm protected. So I've always get the fixed and hope for the best. However, I do have a lot of friends and clients who got into those arms in about 2010, 2011. And I think you're one of them, Crystal, where your payment got cheaper and cheaper as the interest rates went down. Is that right? That is true. But when does an arm make sense? I think an arm makes sense if it's the only way you can buy the property or if you are planned to only stay there within the arm period. So if you've got a five-year arm and you know in five years you're going to get transferred, you're going to move out, you're going to turn this into you know, some other rental property or you have plans for it or you're going to renovate it, want to do a cash out refi. If you just know your plans are going to change in five years, then an arm makes sense. You might as well get that lower interest rate now because every arm does come with a fixed period. Definitely when it's a five-year arm, it means it's fixed for five years and then it starts adjusting. So if you're if your plans for that property are going to be fixed for five years only, go for it and get the lower rate. What say you about the serial refinancers? Because I know a lot of people, they will, whether they're fixed rate or any rate, they will go ahead and refinance like once a year. I know sometimes that is advice that's given by some mortgage brokers. They're like, keep refinancing and lowering your payment since you're refinancing a lower amount, a smaller mortgage. I mean, it costs 3000 to $10,000 to refinance a loan. So I, you have to take that into consideration. I like it on real estate investment properties because if I pull out a bunch of equity in a refinance, that's tax-free. But if I have a ton of equity in the home, it usually means I'm getting a lot of cash flow and I got to pay taxes on that cash flow. So I think for the typical home buyer, get your 30-year fix and only refinance if the, if the rate drops more than one and a half points than your current rate. Otherwise, you're, you're fine and don't even worry about it. I remember one time trying to refinance and my mortgage broker was like, who gave you that advice? If, if I put, put my fee, just calculating my fee... It's not worth it. So that is cool to have trustworthy people in your pocket. I was, I was about to say that broker just talked himself out of business, repeat business, annual business, but that is the correct advice. I want to back up to this, to this question about the arm. You say it's best to 
use an arm when you want to stay in the property for five years or less. So when you calculate all the closing costs and things with buying a home in the first place, is it worth it if you plan on leaving in five years or selling in five years? I like it because it gives you security and it gives you options. If I rent somewhere, I could. There's no guarantee the landlord's going to re, you know, renew my lease at lease terms. So I may have to be moving five years in a row, and there's costs associated with that. Also, I like that there's options because at the end of five years, maybe my fortune telling of moving in five years has changed, and I do want to stay, or the properties went up, or I want to become a landlord, and now I can, re, uh, you know, rent it out. Or if in five years the interest rates are lower, it, it's actually gotten cheaper, and I'm glad I bought the property. So to me, it gives you options and it gives you outs, but also gives you housing security at the same time. Ah, that makes sense. Too bad Miss Cleo is still in jail because she was America's fortune teller. <laughs> Do you know how she did in her real estate investments? No. <laughs> well, she's in jail. I think that that, that might say. <laughs> Mortgage fraud. <laughs> so in conclusion, what we're trying to say is definitely fixed rate is great, but don't let an arm scare you away. Don't let the higher interest rates scare you away. You might have to do some math. So definitely do the math and then you'll know what works best for you. Coming up next, Crystal and I are going to debate our top five must-haves before you get real estate investing. A difficult list to compile, but we're going to compare it. And before we get into that, let's throw it to Doug for this week's trivia question. Hey there, stackers, or should I say deeters? I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and also, apparently, now, Ruth the Realtor's roadside assistant. And I'm celebrating Women's History Month in today's trivia question. What real estate company was the first major real estate firm to hire a woman CEO? Here's a hint. You've heard of the company and its founder is on TV all the time. I mean, like, all the time. Got it? We'll see. I'll be back right after I bring my smart home to automatically turn on the Roomba when Joe's mom's within a five-block radius. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now 
Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, Dieters. I'm self-taught electrician and possibly related, three-time electrical fire starter Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Our question today was this, what real estate firm was the first to hire a woman as CEO? The first woman CEO in a major real estate firm was Pamela Liebman. You may not have heard of her, but she became CEO of a company that you've certainly heard of, the Corcoran Group, owned by, yeah, you guessed it, longtime shark Barbara Corcoran. Pamela became president and CEO in the year 2000 and still remains in that position today. Okay, I'm heading back to figure out how to extinguish a Roomba fire without letting Joe's mom find out. But for you, here's Crystal and Alan with their first ever top five list. Can't wait to hear what you got, guys. See ya. Crystal and I are going to cover what are our top five things to consider before you get into real estate investing. And this is important because you don't want to make mistakes and you don't want to sit on the sidelines and keep researching and spinning your wheels and not making any moves. So Crystal, I don't know what your top five is and I know you don't know my top five. You want to get into it and see what uh, each other thinks is the top priorities to get started here? Oh, definitely. And then I'll first tell you, this list was so complicated because I felt like each each item I felt was the, the top place to start or they all meshed into each other and they also sit me down different rabbit holes because then I'm like oh no I have to add this I have to add this so my list of five if you look at my paper it looks like a a world PhD dissertation because I kept adding things <laughs> to each item <laughs> well this I think this is what first-time investors go through and then they just they get stuck and they freeze so uh, I, that's why this is so important uh, I had similar struggles my top five I think the biggest thing I had was putting them in order because I think they're all important but to rank one as being more important than the other that was tough for me but uh, I did my best Oh, yeah, that's true. I feel like you have to do all of these things before you start. So let's get started with our list. Number five. Let's see who should go first. Who should do the big reveal? I, I want to hear yours. Let's go. Number five, Crystal. <sighs> okay, so I would say because we're working our way up to the number one top. Right. So I guess I would say the first thing I'd start with is location. You need to decide whether do you want to invest in your own neighborhood, your comfort zone, or you need to figure out, okay, am I going to be a a remote investor and invest in certain cities where you know properties are cheaper or you know that things tend to be overpriced? What if you know that they're building a big stadium or the next big government building is moving to a certain city? Maybe you used to live there or you know something about that neighborhood and you want to beat the rush to get into that area. Or look at what happened with um, this work from home. A lot of people are migrating to 
places and they're also migrating away from certain spaces. So do I want to invest where people are going to? I know a lot of people have been buying in Florida because a lot of people are like, oh, yay, good weather all the time. Or do you want to snag some deals in different places where people are coming from? So that's my number five, location. This is very surprising for me, Crystal, because you always hear real estate is location, location, location. I do have it in my top five, but I can't believe you're coming in at number five with location. But uh, I agree with you. It needs to be on your radar. Um, I also kind of like location because it narrows your focus. And, you know, if you're searching a mountain property with your local, uh, you know, single family home and then also a beach property, those are all could be great locations, but you're going to be comparing apples to oranges here. So I like a very narrow focus and I like to even get very specific. Like it has to be in the school district. It has to be in the zip code. It has to yeah. be walkable within 10 minutes to a subway stop, whatever it is, so that you really narrow your focus. And you're not looking at everything in the United States to invest in. It's just a small radius. It also, it pans you out because I know a lot of people live in very expensive areas and they think, okay, I'm never going to be able to afford anything here. So when you widen your lens, that actually does, that location piece, it opens up other opportunities and possibilities in places, hey, you probably never thought of. Yeah. With software today, you can find and source great property managers in every single city, every single state collecting rents on, and repair requests through property management software. So it's very, very common to invest out of state right now. So if you are in one of those high cost of living states, don't just discount real estate investing. Just realize you can invest other places and it's completely normal. It might sound scary if you're hearing this for the first time, but once you talk to two or three investors, most of them own property that's further than a two hour drive from their house. Okay, my number five is property class. And what I mean by this is most property is rated on a spectrum with an A, B, C, or D. Uh, a class is usually your luxury homes in the premier neighborhoods. It's got a lot of prestige. And D class properties are the, you know, lower, difficult, crime-ridden type of areas in many cases. Now, there's no, like, official classification of what makes an A, B, C, or D but it's important to focus because when you talk to other real estate investors, they're going to say language that says, hey, I invest in C-class properties or I try to take a C property and turn it into an A property. You know, you've got any B-plus properties available. Just narrowing the class is also helpful so that you're comparing different grade levels of properties because you're going to notice quickly that one cash flows way more than the other. And I'm here to tell you, the lower the rating on the property, the class type, the more cash flow is going to make. However, the more headaches come with it, more risk, more reward. And the opposite is true. If you're only investing in A-class properties, you're not going to make as much money, but it's going to be much easier to manage. So it's really important to identify that properties come in classes, which sometimes is a surprise to many new investors. Surprise! I had no idea. And I'm not even a new investor. So I never knew that they graded properties like they do. I know they grade school districts. So that's definitely one thing. And that's usually inversely proportional to the home pricing. So to find out that that there's the same system for the grading of property class, I did not know that. But that's obviously that's not on my list if that's something I've never heard of. No, but, that's what 
I feel like it might start with my because something that's on my list is you. So I guess I'll get more into why I say you is on the list. But I think that goes hand in hand on what I was saying, because you do have to 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 get to know yourself. But I'll I'll defer. I do want to say that real estate agents. They seem to push the lettering and the grading a little bit higher than it really is. But uh, so just just take a grain of salt. If someone tells you this is an A class property, it's probably a B plus. If someone tells you it's a C property, it's probably a D. But it, you, you get you'll you'll figure it out as you start comparing and looking at more and more properties in the same property class. Ah, like when people used to change those F's to A's in the old school. I know the kids with the digital report cards hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I I figure like they probably figured out a way to hack into the computer systems. (laughs) All right. So for these property class, different types. So would you say it's best to diversify? Like, do you want all A properties? Do you go for C's? Like, do you what's a normal um, strategy there? I think it's best to put all your eggs in one basket when you're first starting out. Become known as the C-class person. Uh, Make that your reputation. Put out all your feelers because then what happens is every time someone has a C property, they're going to know, oh, Crystal's the girl you need to call because every time I talk to her, she's talking C-class. And you're not going to get good at something unless you master and focus in a niche. So if you're just starting out, your first five properties should all be in the same property class. And then once you have that expertise, you can either keep going all in or then maybe open up and try to invest and diversify after that. But I really, really push everyone to become an expert in one niche. And this is a great way to do it. But I'd also like to add a lot of times the, the what you just talked about, about the, the realtors, um, exaggerating you know the the type of property so if you go for c's you are going to find some i guess a's and d's in there too or b's and and f's just because they're like look we know this b isn't really an a you know so i i can see that you i can see catching even um some some gems i would say in that c just to be clear, uh, Crystal, there are no F classifications, but I have definitely come across many properties that are f- horrible. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd, I'd feel some kind of way if, if my property got classified by as an F by the my local realtors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's why it doesn't exist. Yeah, and, and, and it's everyone's opinion. And a lot of times they don't put those class properties in the marketing materials. You kind of have to call and ask. <laughs> Number four. All right, so let's, uh, I'll start with my number four. It's your product type that you want to invest in. Another way to look at this is property type. Walk into the store, you have so many choices. The same happens in real estate investing. Are you going to be looking at condos? Are you going to be looking at townhomes, single families? Are you going to be doing multifamily, storage units? There's thousands of product types, right? So finding one that you're interested in, This is super important as well. Just sort of saying the phrase, I like this type of property type in this property class. You'll see, and I'm walking you down a path where you're you're getting very specific. And this actually makes real estate investing easier and easier. The hard part is if you're new, you don't know. And a lot of times you have to just come across an opportunity and that becomes your product type because you inherited it or your neighbor's selling a certain property and that's okay. Uh, But just know that there's so many different product types that everything's under the sun. If you can identify one that you're super interested in, that you think you'll be passionate about, that you want to learn more about, it's going to make you very successful quicker. But 
as someone with ADHD, uh, I am all over the place on, on this on this one as well. Well, okay, product type. I wouldn't have called it product type, but you you're using some new buzzwords. So we got property class, product type. So for me, mine is number four is you. So look in the mirror and say, okay, what what kind of person am I? Am I a handy person? So I think this does go hand in hand with the, the product type because, you know, if I want to do handiwork, then I know that I can get a maybe a cheaper property because I know I'll have to do some sweat equity. But do I don't if I don't want to touch anything, if I want something that's uh, I would just guess I call it a white glove property, then know that that may cost more. When you're getting to know you, that's when you're figuring out what are your non-negotiables. Do I want mixed use? You know, do I want my apartment above restaurants? Where if one of those restaurants, you know, if something happens, you know. I'm in trouble and maybe my insurance is higher. So I feel like you want to know your comfort zone and you want to figure out, okay, this is important to me. This is not important to me. Yeah. What I'm hearing, do you want to be someone who's hands-on and you spend your weekend on projects and home renovations because you love it? I am not that person. And so I always budget for a property manager, a repairs. Uh, I've tried to do everything myself. It ended up taking more money and more time and it, it became a job. And I didn't want real estate investing to be my job. I wanted to real estate invest to leave my job. If I probably had those skills and I enjoyed those skills, then yeah, I'm doing my hobby. So I think recognizing you is important. And I like how you phrase that because that is also going to limit probably the property classes that you're interested in and the property types that you're interested. In. So I think we're hand in hand on this one. Number three. All right. So my number three Educate, get educated, educate yourself, follow podcasts like this one. And hey, if you don't know anyone in real estate, you know Crystal and Allen. And I would also say about the educate, you need to talk to trustworthy people, people that are doing the do, not people that are talking, not people that are flashy on the TikToks. Um, you also want to make sure that when you're arming yourself with education, you never want things to go out of your control. Like you want to understand everything you're signing. You want to understand any agreements you're getting into. So I am not afraid to tell people, hey, explain it to me like I'm five, because if I don't understand it, I'm not signing it. We're not going forward. Real estate is not going anywhere. Right, Alan? Right, right. And obviously, I'm always pro-education, but I want to put it like seven asterisks uh, on your statement, because a lot of people get their education from their parents or their uncle or some family member who means well. And their entire real estate story is that they made money or lost money on their primary residence. And you shouldn't do it because I had a leak once or this bad thing happened. And then they just put out fear in everyone. And talking to someone like that, they're not real estate investing because they bought a property that was for their primary residence. So it was a emotional lifestyle decision. It was not a spreadsheet decision. And then they have to sell or they have to move because of a lifestyle decision. They got married. They got a divorce. They had a kid. They lost their job. They got transferred out of state. So they equate emotional events that had nothing to do with timing except the timing of their life is a win for real estate investing or a negative for real estate investing. And they take that and they throw it into real estate investing. So yes, real estate investing should be a spreadsheet decision. Take all the motions out of it and talk and get your education from other people doing real estate investing, not your family that loves you and will scare you with their primary residence buying or selling stories. 
Oh, that's a good one. So is education, how, how is this on your list or well, not? I, I consider all fi- this, this entire segment <laughs> in education. So uh, you're right. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's good talking about it. And I think if you're listening to this show, you're right, starting in the right place. All right. So my number three I, is this is where I've slotted location. I know it was your number mm, five. I thought it would be higher. Real estate is location, location, location. So uh, it is my top three. It, it plays a big part on your success and how, you know, this is all going to play out for you. Number two. Okay, Alan. So now we're getting to the big numbers. Uh, what's your number two? Top two for me is strategy. What's your strategy going to be? Are you going to be the flipper? Are you going to be the long-term renter, the midterm renter? Are you going to be the short-term renter? Are you going to want to buy something and hold it long-term? Are you going to be in and out? Like You have to figure out what your strategy is going to be because you can make so much money in every single strategy. There's no wrong strategy, but do you want to do the new construction? Do you want to buy an empty lot and develop it? Do you want to buy a fixer-upper and tear it down? Do you want to just renovate what's there? you want to add to it? Do you want to just buy something that's turnkey? These are all different strategies. So I think that comes back to your you, uh, which is very important. And so what time you have, what budget you have, all these things kind of button up into determining what strategy do you want to invest in real estate? And I know we're going to cover a lot of different strategies on this show in episodes to come. That's a good point. So I didn't, strategy did not make it to my list. And I'll tell you why. Well, I feel like sometimes the... The strategy or the opportunity presents itself to you. And sometimes you you hadn't thought about that as a strategy, but the opportunity is so great. But hey, now I'm a flipper. I'll tell you, here's my real estate trick just between you and me. uh, I like to buy properties that have two or three strategies, Uh which means, hey, I'm going to buy this because I'm a long-term rental strategy guy, right? But if that's not working out, can I pivot and use a different strategy, a midterm rental, short-term rental? And, oh, okay, I can. Great. And it still makes money. It still pencils out and makes money. How about a third strategy? Could I knock this down and build new and still make money? Great. That way I'm protected. That if markets change, interest rates change, loan products change, buyer demands change, I can pivot between the strategies. So that's how I reduce risk. But I always buy based on my strategy that I'm looking for at that time is the biggest money maker in that property. I love that too. And that kind of goes back into, I guess, my educate bucket. But I didn't say this, but that makes a good point of if you're thinking of like when you're evaluating the deals have every scenario in mind, just like Alan just said, because it can. One one thing can turn into another. So even to give a, a vague example, it was like my friends, they had a wasp in the backyard. So they were like, we don't know what to do. We're scared. And I was like, here's what you do. You and your kid, you hit it and you say, hey, if it falls left, this is what you do. And if it falls right, this is what you do. So that's a good strategy to plan for. Hey, if I buy this property, think of all the different strategies of what can happen um, based on, you know, that one purchase. I like your analogy because a lot of people just don't invest because they're afraid of getting stung. And this, this way you have multiple options to say, even if I get stung, I'm still going to make money. All right. So let's hear your number two, Crystal. So my number two was budget. Walk through some scenarios because what you are approved for a lot of times does not line up with your budget. And a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, oh, yeah, I got approved for this million dollar 
And I was like, no, no, no. Did you crunch your numbers? What's realistic for you? Crunch those numbers to the penny, be specific, and then add an extra to that budget for, you know, surprise. There's always surprises. Like, Alan and I, we are never surprised by surprises because you think, oh, nothing's going to go wrong. It always, something always happens that there's always a surprise. So get that budget and have it tight. Even if you're not sure, then whatever your 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 scenario or dream scenario is or your first scenario, save that amount for six months first because then you'll know if you can afford it or not. Obviously, budget is very important and I also agree that budget is something that will probably determine the property class, the property type, the location, the strategy that you use. So this is definitely a very important method. Um, It also depends on your comfort level with partnering. So if you have no budget, guess what? There's plenty of people out there that have the budget. They don't have the time or the interest in real estate that maybe you could partner with someone who has the funds and you've got the interest, you've got the time, you've got the ability to work hard combining forces might be a way to overcome a budget hurdle if you find that that is where you sit. But definitely starting with talking to a mortgage lender and just say, hey, I'm interested in real estate investing. Uh, what what could I afford? That's a free call. It yeah. takes 15 minutes. Every mortgage lender would love, love, love to <laughs> help you and walk you through a path. And they might say, do X, Y, and Z, and your budget will be this. If you don't do that, your budget is that but at least you got a plan and you got somewhere to start. So kudos to you for putting budget number two. And I can't wait to see what you have ahead of that. Number one. All right. Wow. Number one, we, we kind of went through that. And I, I think we've got a great top 10 list here. Oh, so some overlapping. So uh, great job. On, oh, uh, yes. I feel like so far so good. I can't believe we've been... Um we we've we've made it through the list so quickly. I felt like we there'd be more fighting, infighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, and uh, I think it's just being stuck in this traffic is also kind of uh, we've we've killed time pretty quickly. So uh, we didn't have to pull out the barf bags yet with Ruth's driving. So uh, <laughs> leave Ruth <we've>, alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Um, it's fun. Well, yeah, we're 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 down to the the wire here. Number one. This and is again, the moment. Yeah, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Been listening number one, for. Yes, yes. And my number one, Crystal, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's also budget. So I know it's your number two, but it was my number one. <laughs> and uh, budget is very important. And again, there's so many ways to actually buy real estate with zero dollars. So if you're listening and you're saying, I've got no money in my account, don't let that hold you up from real estate investing. You know, I've bought many, many, many deals with zero dollars. There's loan products out there that you can borrow money, private money, 100% private money, 100% hard money, commercial loans. There's ways out there. Maybe it's not for the first time beginner, but with the right education, the right you and everything else we talked about, partners, again, are ways to buy real estate without having any money. Doing something is better than doing nothing. So don't ever let budget keep you on the sidelines from real estate investing. That is true. And my first place was no money down. And that was a good move for me. I actually made money at the, I had a check at the closing just because we were able to negotiate closing costs from the seller. So definitely that's another good thing also too, because there are a ton of programs out there. I've taken advantage of the first time home buyers program. I've taken advantage of a 
There was a construction loan program that the city was offering at the time. I also took advantage of uh, the vacant lots for a dollar program. So there are a lot of programs out there. So make sure you're in the know. That goes back to the education piece. Some of these programs, someone told me about it because people knew, hey, Crystal is into real estate. You know, Crystal... That's her jam. She wants to learn more or get into it. So people actually brought those programs to me because they knew that I was synonymous with real estate. Cool. Yeah. And a lot of the 100% financing loan pro- programs, you have to live in the property, which you and I both did mm-hmm. on our first property. And we did a strategy called house hacking where we had roommates or it was a multifamily and you rented out the other units. And that rental income covered all or big portion of our mortgage payment. And then all of a sudden you're living for free. And the fact that most Americans spend 30 to 50% of their take-home pay on their rent or their mortgage, wiping that out effectively doubles your take-home pay and changes your life financially. So look into ways to get these properties and they're not scammy. There are scammies out there. There are scammy products out there. There are a lot of fishers. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. bad guys out there, but talk to other investors and ask what loan programs, what ways have they acquired property with a hundred percent financing, no money out of pocket, and you can get into real estate investing as well with the right education, right? And so it all comes back to that. And that's why it's my number one and okay, now I'm going to throw okay. put the pressure on you, Crystal, because you have something that. that's more important than budget, and I can't wait oh, to hear what it is. Okay. Well, network. It's your network. Um, I feel like you need a team. So if you are around the wrong people, and Alan, you talked about this earlier, someone that really doesn't know what they're talking about, you're going to fail. There's no other way to put it. So you need a team, you need to network, and you need to talk to people, trustworthy people. My mortgage brokers, they're the ones that, you know, tell me what you what I can and can't do, because I know one person told me, oh, yeah, my mom told me that uh, you should refinance every year. So I went to my mortgage broker like, hey, I want to refinance. And he's like, are you out of your mind? Um, The closing costs alone would offset any benefit you think you're getting from refinancing once a year. So get that out of your head. Every success I've had, I did not do it on my own. I am thankful for all the cool people like Alan on this call, listening to his podcast and listening to our podcast. We want you to learn the same stuff. So I would say your your team should be number one. All right. Your network is your net worth. You did find a better one. I agree with this 100%. And even better, networking costs nothing. So yes, it's so easy to network for free. Um, And I've networked and done deals based on social media and Twitter. Like there's so mm-hmm. there's a huge real estate network of investors on Twitter that are shopping deals and helping each other and partnering and building that team that you just mentioned, the lenders and the contractors and everything, they want to build a team too. They want to surround themselves. I always say rock stars hang out with rock stars. Mm-hmm. If you find a rock star lender, they're going to give you the rock star agent. The rock star agent is going to give you the rock star contractor. So all you got to do is find one rock star and then now you are in a network of rock stars. And those are fun parties to go to, I would imagine. (laughs) Oh, I love that, Alan, because a lot of people too, going back to another fear, it's like, oh, I don't know who to call if something breaks. Your network, that's who you call when something breaks, because they, I promise you, they will have a great contact and they'll tell you who to call, who didn't call them back. Like, and you'll, even the more you surround yourself with these real estate rock stars, they love to tell you, oh, so-and-so plumber never came back. Or they'll say, oh, I love so-and-so plumber. So 
definitely, definitely, it's it's your network of rock stars. Yeah, and I would probably give recommendation to that plumber not to name your company so-and-so plumber, but <laughs> I agree with the sentiment 100%. There's our top five list. Good news. We're going to share all the links and all the top five lists that we came up with today in our show notes. Subscribe to get Stacking Deeds show notes for free after every episode by going to stackingdeeds.net slash show notes so that you won't miss any of the good advice that Crystal or I have for you each week. Oh my gosh, my uh, armrest is buzzing and ringing. I guess we've got a phone in here. Hello? Hey, Alan and Crystal. My name's Anne, and I've been researching buying my first rental property, and I've been reading online and watching news stories about how the market has gotten trickier, interest rates have gone up, And I'm just wondering, should I listen to what I've been reading and wait to buy my first rental property? I don't know. I I just figured this would be a great place to learn. I love the fact that you guys have a show about this. Can you answer, should I pull the trigger on a property now or do you think I should wait? And thank you again and congrats on the new show. Well, thanks, Anne. I cannot believe we have a a landline in an actual car. That is hilarious. But thank you so much for your kind words. Thanks for tuning in. And yes, Anne, I guess so when we're talking interest rates, we did say earlier, you know, definitely don't let that, you know, stop you from buying a, a property. We need to dive into the hard numbers to evaluate what exactly is going on because, you know, buying a house could be harder now. So we need to be more careful. And like we said earlier, you want to marry the house. Wait, no, no. You want to marry the interest date, the rate. Wait, what did I say? Why do I always forget that? It, it, it's not sticky enough. We, uh, let's, uh, you know, you just date everyone, uh, Crystal. And, uh, you know, let, let's, let's just <laughs> date all the houses, marry all the houses. You know, this is one love, right? Yeah, there's enough love going around. <laughs> all right, Alan. So I, I can't wait to hear this. What are your thoughts? So I'm only concerned about interest rates if my strategy investing is to resell in the short term, meaning I'm going to flip it. I'm going to build a new construction. It's a spec home. I am putting sweat equity in it and I want to do a cash out refi when it's done because those interest rates really affect the value of my property. However, interest rates don't concern me if I'm buy and hold. The reason I'm not concerned about a buy and hold are three parts First, you just look at the rental rates. Rental rates don't necessarily fluctuate to match interest rates. So I'm looking at rental rates of similar properties that I'm looking to buy, and I get a feel of what things are renting for. Have they changed recently or not? Part two is I take that number and I divide it in half. So if there's rental rates are $3,000 for a three-bedroom apartment, I know half of that $1,500 is going to be landlord expenses. That's maintenance, repairs, vacancies, insurance, any utility bills. It's just a 50% rule. So you just take half that rental income and that becomes just wipe it out. And then the third part and final part is what's left over and what's my mortgage payment. So $3,000 divided by two is $1,500. My mortgage payment's $1,000 on this property. If I put 20% down, then I'm, I'm excited to buy this because I'm making $500 a month. It's a very stable environment to make $500 because leases haven't changed too much. I'm signing a 12-month lease. My interest rate, even though it's higher, is fixed, and I'm good and happy to move forward. 
That three-step process is all I do to quickly glance at a property and decide whether I want to see it in person. Ah, okay. So let me get this right. So if I want to do this correctly, the first thing I need to do is to see what the rents are going for in the area. So where is a good place for people to get that information? You can get rental comps either from your local real estate agent, a website called rentometer.com. Zillow's always a good last you know, gut check as well on what rental rates are going for. Oh, that's very good to know. So we're going to make sure we put all of this in our show notes. So next, step number two, we want to cut that rental number that we just researched. We want to cut that in half just because, you know, life happens, um, sugar, honey, iced tea happens, and we don't want to be, you know, in a frenzy or all scared and concerned and want to give up. You know, we want peace of mind that, oh, I'm so glad that I, I I consulted with Alan and Crystal on this because I have money saved up now for this emergency. So next, this is cut that number in half. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be you know honest that that's that's a very conservative number too. I typically when I go through my books, it's about thirty five percent, but I'm budgeting for fifty. And if you're still cash flowing after a fifty percent conservative estimate of expenses and repairs and everything. It, you're, you're really setting yourself up for success. Now we know we, we have our 50% number. Now, how do I go back and figure out, okay, now what kind of house I can afford? Like, what, how do I, what's that next step look like? The best place to start with is with a mortgage lender because they're going to tell you what loan products they have. If you're buying investment property, the standard is you're going to have to put 20% down. But depending who you call and how rainy the day is, their products change all the time. So sometimes it's 15% down, sometimes it's 30% down. But it really depends on your down payment amount. And that will determine what you can afford and what your monthly payment's going to be. But I use the Google calculator all the time. I would strip out the escrow of taxes and insurance because we've already calculated that in the 50% rule. You just want to know the principal and interest payment is on your mortgage payment. It's a back of the envelope um, sort of number that uh, it'll spit out that you can kind of throw into the 50% rule and see if it makes sense to dig a little bit deeper. Alan, I think we may need a little demo on how to use this also. It'd be cool just to look over your shoulder to see how you would do a, a scenario. You know what? I'll record a video. Yeah. Crystal, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it's also in the, our welcome guide. Just go to stackingdeeds.net and uh, sign up and we'll send it out to your inbox. All right. Well, thanks for ringing Ruth's rotary. I guess that that's what, what it was. So have a question for Ellen and I to answer. Ruth just handed me the phone number. It's, oh, this is a phone number. It's stackingdeeds.net slash voicemail. So leave us a message and we'll answer your question just like we did with Ann's question today. Thanks to everyone for checking out our first episode. I feel so special. Well, as you can see, we're excited to help you get comfortable with real estate and make better decisions. You can help us get off to a really great start by leaving us a review wherever you listen to us. If you got critical feedback, I guess we want that too. So feel free to email us 
team at stackingbenjamins.com. We want to hear what you want, what you like, and what you don't want so that we can bring you the best show every week. We see this as a community show, and we'd love to make this the best show. So help us by giving us your feedback. And speaking of community, very soon we're going to be launching our mastermind. So details on that will follow in the next few episodes. If you're listening to this on the Stacking Benjamins feed, well, the show is only going to be here for a couple more episodes. So please follow us by searching for Stacking Deeds wherever you're listening to us now. And hit the follow button. That way you get both shows and you'll catch every one of the Stacking Deeds show that releases every Tuesday. If you want deeper links into all of the topics we discussed today, sign up for the show notes. Those will be hand-delivered automatically to your inbox, and you can head over to stackingdeeds.net slash show notes. Again, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Alan Corey. And I'm Crystal Hammond. We'll see you next Tuesday at the Stacking Deeds show. <laughs> see you next Tuesday? Isn't that... Stand for something, Crystal? Ooh, I don't... Ooh, um, let's say, see, we will be back next Tuesday. See you? No. <laughs> we'll be back next Tuesday at the Stacking Deeds show. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we, we're, we're here to make friends. So, what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from our headline. Is real estate in big trouble? Probably not. But if the market does continue to slow... Knowing your metrics and making mathematically sound decisions will be the only way to win. Second, take a lead from our top five. Know the wit of the real estate market and you're more likely to spot opportunities. But don't focus on all of them. Become king or queen of one segment of the market. But the big lesson? Seriously, Ruth, you gotta open a window when you smoke, lady. I mean, just drop me off right here. I'll do the credits while you slow down. Really, just, no, this is good. Right here, it's good. Let me out. Thanks to you for joining us today. Subscribe to our show notes at stackingdeeds.com slash show notes, and we'll deliver all of the links and tips directly to your email after every episode. This show was created by Joe Saul Seahawk, Crystal Hammond, and Alan Corey, and was initially the brainchild of Alan Corey. Our brilliant editor of today's episode is Jasmine Radler. You can just call Jasmine the puppet master because somebody has to do the thinking around here. Thanks to Ruth for driving us around. But I mean, come on, wear shoes next time. I'm Ruth's Fetch It Boy, Doug. We'll see you next Tuesday again back here at Stacking Deeds. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate.
take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.